Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Dallas, Texas with my new friend Harry Hall, the author of This Used to Be Dallas. Harry's lived in Dallas for 50 years and has witnessed the stratospheric growth. He says it's easy to live in Dallas with its low cost of living and numerous career opportunities. In this episode, Harry and I talk about eating corn dogs at the Texas State Fair, visiting the JFK Sixth Floor Museum, and listening to live music in Deep Ellum. You'll hear about these three amazing attractions, plus so much more. The show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Dallas. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Using airline miles and hotel points makes travel affordable, but keeping track of all those loyalty programs can be a challenge. That's why I use AwardWalt to track my miles and points balances, reservations, and special goodies like free hotel night certificates and airline companion passes. Having everything in one easy-to-use dashboard helps ensure that I don't lose any rewards and makes logging into my accounts super easy. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash AwardWallet to start your free account. Hey, Harry, welcome to the show, bud. Yeah, thanks for asking me. Absolutely. So today we're talking about Dallas, Texas. For listeners who remember, we had PT, and now we have Harry Hall, who actually literally wrote the book on how Dallas used to be. So he knows a lot about the history, and we're really excited to have him on here and show his perspective on the city and and all his tips. What's your connection to Dallas, Harry? Well, I was born in Austin. We moved up here when I was about five years old and pretty much lived here ever since. Lived in Oak Cliff. When the Kennedy assassination occurred on November 22nd, 1963, we were about five miles away. And that's not something that you think about when you're five or six years old. But later on, you begin to realize this horrible event. We were so close to it. And when Lee Harvey Oswald was captured in the theater, we were just maybe two or three miles from there. So it was really close. And I moved out to the suburbs when I was 11 years old, went to MacArthur High School, ran track there, went to UT Arlington. I graduated from there and then coached at the University of Dallas, taught public speaking there for 25 years. Wow, that's fantastic. So you've been here for so many years. Like, What's the main thing that's kept you here in Dallas? You go to a lot of places and you see other places and how people live and, and all of that. And you really realize that the people here, it's a lot more laid back atmosphere, although we've kind of lost a little bit of that. And the affordability of what we have here. You know, the house that I live in, I wouldn't be able to afford something like that in a whole lot of places in the United States. And just the opportunities here are limitless. There are so many Fortune 500 companies here. There are so many corporations moving in all of the time. And there's just an awful lot of opportunity for, for people. Yeah. When we were considering places to move, Dallas was on our short list of places. And for us, it was very similar to LA where it's kind of spread out. It is. A lot of big businesses there and everything else. And so we wanted something a little bit different than that. But it was it was definitely on our list because in some ways, it, it, like I said, it resembles where we used to live. And the cost of living is so much less. Your money goes so much further when you're looking at a house there. It's uh, pretty phenomenal. Yeah, it is. So being there for, for 50 years, if you had to describe Dallas or the people that live there in just a couple of words, how would you do that? Yeah, there's a never-ending amount of activity here. People moving in, people moving out, construction all over the place all the time. We have two big airports here. We've got DFW Airport, which kind of splits Dallas and Fort Worth. And then we've got Love Field. And people think of Love Field as being a pretty small airport. It's much easier to get around. But 
it's still like the sixth or seventh busiest airport in America. And so when you think about your minor airport being that busy and having that much traffic, then, you know, there's really an awful lot going on. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan of Southwest. So every time I'm flying, a lot of our flights go right through uh, Love Field. Yep. It's located on Herb Kelleher Way, (laughs) the founder of Southwest Airlines. Yeah. He's a big hero here. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So when uh, when people are planning their trip to Dallas, what's the weather like throughout the year? Are, are there certain times of year that maybe they should avoid or they should focus their trips on based on the weather or like uh, different fairs or festivals that happen throughout the year? If you're coming here in the summer, it's going to be hot. You will not need a sweater. You will not need a jacket. June, July, and August, especially usually the first couple of weeks in August, there are times when the low will be like 82 and then it'll get up to 102 or 103 during the day. Now, in the spring, usually the spring is pretty pleasant. We'll have cold spells, but they generally don't last very long. The biggest attraction of all is the State Fair of Texas. The State Fair of Texas, it's the largest fair in the United States. It goes on for about, I think it's up to three weeks now. And, you know, you see Big Tex, which is a big symbol of Texas. There's this huge Ferris wheel. The food that we have is utterly amazing. This is where the corny dog was invented. The corny dog was invented at the Texas State Fair, I think in 1936, Fletcher's Corny Dogs. And they have a contest every year to introduce the next new big food item. And so over the years, they've introduced fried Twinkies and fried Coke. And there was like this giant, it was a butter display image of of Elvis Presley, which wasn't, (laughs) you know, it's kind of funny, made of butter, giant Elvis Presley statue. I don't know. Uh, But one guy said there's everything there, but margaritas on a stick. And I think (laughs) that's coming. That's coming. It's just a great time. And you can spend a whole day there. It's it's just great for all kinds of families, all kinds of activities uh, to do at the state fair. It's huge. I'm going to have to try it out sometime. Uh, it's amazing what you talk about with the concoctions of like fried food and everything. I'm a big fan of, of Reese's. And the first time I had a, like a fried Reese's, oh my God, that was like, it was like heaven on earth. Some of that stuff I won't touch because I'm afraid how much I'll like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you were saying there's, a, there's some other festivals or other attractions throughout the year? Yeah, there's another real big one. And it's scheduled for the first weekend in June, uh, Taste of Dallas which is out at Dallas Market Hall. It used to be outdoors, and they kind of moved it around. I think they're going to keep it, hopefully they're going to keep it at Dallas Market Hall. It kind of limits it, even though Dallas Market Hall is a really big place. Uh, But you've got like 150 restaurants that make contributions, and they bring their chefs out there, and I think most of the stuff is free when you pay to get in, and then most of the samples are free. Some of them you have to buy the more exotic ones or, or whatever. Uh, but that's a weekend where you can <laughs> you can really gorge out. And they have a lot of cooking demonstrations, those inflatable slides for the kids and that sort of thing. So there's an awful lot to enjoy there at that. Those are two really big ones. Of course, you know, we have Dallas Cowboys games and we have lots of pro sports here. I've been in the, the Dallas uh, Cowboys Stadium and we have pretty good seats during the game. But the Jumbotron is so huge. Your eyes gravitate from the field to that jumbotron no matter how hard you try to look at the field that your eyes go up to it the first game that they played there was an exhibition game and a punter hit it <laughs> yeah i remember that it's oh no that'll never happen first game it happened and that's the only time i've known that to occur but it was just funny <laughs> well let, let's take, take a step back you mentioned the airports there 
when people are flying in, primarily if they're flying American, they're most likely going to go to DFW. If they're flying Southwest, most likely Love Field. You know, the other airlines, they'll probably pick and choose between the two. But regardless of which airport you show up at, if you're getting from there and going into the city, do you use public transportation? Do you rent a car, Uber? Like, what's the best way to get around? Yeah, you're going to have to use Uber probably to get out of DFW. We don't have a really good public transportation system here. Over at Love Field, it's a little bit better. If you get into Dallas proper, you can get around fairly well. Where I live, the TRE, the Trinity Railway Express, goes right into downtown Dallas, and we hardly ever drive. So we get over there, and we can go to any games, or we go to the Texas State Fair. And there's another issue about the Texas State Fair. If you get there before 3 o'clock, parking is $10. If you get there after 3 o'clock, it's $20. So that tells you just a lot about the people that come there, just how big it is at night. If you can go there during the day, there's no waits for rides or anything like that. You can just go and do what you want. But in the afternoon, of course, it gets really packed. Transportation in downtown Dallas is not bad. But if you want to get out into the suburbs, some cities don't even have it. So it's not the most convenient deal. But if you make allowances and understand and just be patient, then you can make it work for you. Okay, that sounds good. When people are planning their trip, what part of Dallas should they plan their hotel stay? Or or is there a certain area where maybe they should avoid? Yeah, downtown Dallas is a really good place, the Hyatt Regency Hotel, which has that big lit ball that just dominates almost the skyline. It's expensive, but it's a really neat place. There are a lot of hotels down there. The first Conrad Hilton-designed hotel was in Dallas. And so it's got some historical significance to it. That's a neat place to stay. But if you get down there, you've got the Dallas World Aquarium, and there's a lot of places to go down there and see the historical sites. You can see the first building ever built in Dallas, the first structure. The log cabin is still there. And right across the street from that, there's the Sixth Street Museum, which is where, of course, uh, honoring the assassination of President Kennedy. And there's an old courthouse, which has a lot of old Dallas relics in it that you can go in there and and see just what was it like back there. And State Hall, where the Texas uh, State Fair is, it is open all the time. And they've always got some kind of displays in there that are Texas themed. It's a fascinating place. Some of the displays are just tremendous. I had a lot of artifacts from the Alamo. In there, they had like a, a vest worn by Davy Crockett, and they had a, I think he played the violin or something, played the fiddle, probably what they call it, he played the fiddle, and I think they had those, or a mandolin or something, some musical instrument that he played, but there's like a desk that Sam Houston used, and so if you want to find out about, okay, who were these people, and kind of get an insight into what their lives were like, and what their personalities were like, something like that is tremendous. No, that's great where you can you can kind of mix a combination of, of having fun, but also learning about some of the history and, and learning about the kind of the evolution of the city. I think that that's an important thing to do, both from a personal standpoint, but also if you're traveling with, with kids like I do a lot, especially if you're taking little days off of school saying, oh, well, <laughs> you know, teacher wasn't just fun. We were also learning a few things as well. So when you were mentioning earlier about uh, Lee Harvey Oswald and everything, it was really interesting. My buddy Jason, his house that he lived in Dallas – their house actually backed up to where Lee Harvey Oswald lived. And so he showed me a picture that literally showed his house and Lee Harvey Oswald was like in the foreground and his house was in the background. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So it's interesting how it all kind of ties in like that. Well, they're about a mile from here is the house where he left that morning. 
He spent the night in Irving, and it's like a mile or a mile and a half from here. It's a museum, but it doesn't look like a museum. It just looks like a well-kept house. Very interesting. Okay, so like I said, I, I travel with my kids a lot. Uh, obviously, the fair is a big thing. You mentioned the, the aquarium. What are some other things that if I'm traveling with my kids, I should make sure I, I, I do when I'm visiting there? The Perot Museum or the Science Museum? The Science Museum is great for kids. If they're smaller, they have a lot of, you know, they're real simple scientific like displays. Like there's one where you drop a quarter or a penny or a dime or whatever in this kind of big bowl and it just spins around and goes faster and faster and faster before it goes to the hole. And so we'll explain that. And then there's one where you can go into this room and you can have your kids jump. And it'll take a quick picture of it. So they get this silhouette of them jumping, you know, up on oh, the yeah, yeah. wall there. Yeah, yeah. Anything like that, the Pro Museum or the Science Museum. So the Pro Museum's pretty new. And those have been very popular places. Nice. And then, you know, my wife loves to cook. You know, she's a big foodie and everything. From what I've read, the, the Dallas Farmer's Market is a, is a wonderful place to go if you want to sample a bunch of different types of foods. Yeah, the Farmer's Market has been around since, uh, for about 100 years. And it started out just as, farmers excess food and they said what are we going to do this we'll just take it out there and they just started kind of set this place up but it's gotten so much bigger over the years there's a place called the shed which is right next door to the market where you actually get all the fresh food and fresh vegetables you can go into the shed and there they have cooking demonstrations they have demonstrations for kids and you there's restaurants and anything food related they're going to have there they i don't know this for a fact but i'm pretty sure that they have instructions on how to grow your own food. I'm sure they have something like that there. I love it when, uh, you know, you can go to places like that and, you know, I'm not a very good cook. <laughs> my wife is an awesome cook. Yeah, I might have to take classes right there with my kids. Uh, that way they can, <laughs> you know, we can, we can both learn how to cook a little bit better, you know, <laughs> next week toast. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm so bad at cooking. I, I can burn water. You know I mean? It's, that's, uh, <laughs> well, speaking of food, Let's talk about some of the, the awesome food places that we can find there in Dallas. Obviously, the home of Tex-Mex, barbecue, like brisket is also a big thing that's there in, 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 uh, in Texas. So what are some of your favorites? Tex-Mex was invented here. And there was a gentleman whose name escapes me now, but he was a cook at this restaurant. And he just decided he wanted to start his own deal. So he started his own Tex-Mex restaurant in 1917, El Phoenix. And today they've got something like 50 locations. Now, one of the things that happened was they sold out about three or four years ago, and the new people came in, and they said, well, we're not going to change any of the recipes. Well, guess what? They started changing some of the recipes, and everybody just could tell the difference. They got upset. So on the side of the building, of the first El Phoenix building, there's this big Texas flag, and it says, don't mess with Tex-Mex. <laughs> and it's, well, it's, it's a takeoff on the Texas slogan, don't mess with Texas. Yeah. And you don't mess with Texas. It's an anti-litter campaign. And it's been very successful and very popular for about 30 years. So that's where that came from. Don't mess with Tex-Mex. And it's just a reminder there that we've still got the same stuff. And yeah, Sonny Brines is a real famous place for barbecue. You've got all places like that to come here and partake of the barbecue. And we've got Chili places too. This is actually Chili's Restaurants was born here. And that's not necessarily something Dallas related, you know, now because it's gone international. Chili's came about because of a chili cook-off. Oh, well, I didn't know that. So there's lots of chili places around too. I mean, I've been to Chili's restaurant plenty of times throughout the United States. I didn't even know they even served chili there. Well, they used to. They don't anymore, but it started out as a Chili's restaurant. 
apparently it was really good. That D magazine gave it a really high review. Oh, nice. When I actually, when I worked for bank of America long, long ago, I was actually in Dallas for credit training. And one of the things that we did while we were there is we went to the deep Ellum. It seems like a really cool place where there's a lot of bars and kind of nightlife and things like that. Is that still like a really good place to go? Yeah, it's still a pretty good place. They've got down there. One of my friends got really involved in spoken word. There are lots of places down there where you get a lot of local jazz places. You get a lot of musical places and they'll do spoken word and they will do uh, any kind of musical venues like that out there. You know, it was really renovated a few years ago and it's, it's pretty nice. So say if we were, we're there and we're getting ready to go out for the day, we want a little bit of breakfast because we know we're going to be busy. What's a good place for like a traditional, like a Texas breakfast? A Texas breakfast. My favorite place to eat breakfast is a place called La Peeps. And I don't know if it's traditional Texas breakfast, but they will have just about anything that you want for breakfast. And they'll have any kind of eggs that you want, any kind of pancakes that you want. You want healthy, you want fattening. And it comes fast. It's a really clean place. And there's probably eight or 10 places like that around. And when people come, they say, where can I get a good breakfast? That's really the place to go. Nice. Okay. What about if um, my wife and I were kind of like in a, a weekend escape away from the kids and we want to go out for you know a nice dinner and then just maybe do a little dancing or a little nightcap afterwards? Where would we do that? There's a place, St. Anne's is a place to go that, that they've got really good if you're looking for a place just to settle down with like dinner and drinks and that sort of thing, St. Anne's is a really neat place. They probably got the best happy hour and Dallas has given it the best happy hour because they do it outside. And if it's, it's really nice and they've got a lot of trees and there's, you know, it's a really big patio, a place like that. And St. Anne's has a neat history too. It used to be a school and they've got some of their drinks. They've got one called the jock and they've got one called the bookworm. <laughs> that so staying true to their scholastic roots there oh that's super cool yeah i love it when they kind of mix in that theme like that all right last one if we wanted uh, like a something to satisfy our sweet tooth maybe the mid-afternoon snack or after dinner and we want some ice cream or chocolates or something like that where would we go for that the creamery there's a place called the creamery it's just off of 75 thinking northwest highway and they've got the best <laughs> the best they've got is at the creamery They've got peanut brittle ice cream, anything that you want, they'll have there. Fantastic. Harry, thanks for all these tips. I've learned a lot about Dallas, and I can't wait till the next time we come out there to check it out so that way I can visit some of these. But now it's time for the final countdown. If somebody only had time for one meal when they visited Dallas, where should they go and what should they eat? Dunstan Steakhouse. Dunstan Steakhouse is over off of Harry Hines, and it is one of those places that doesn't look like much on the outside. But on the inside, it's very nice. And the steaks are high quality and anything that you get there. And it's typical, you know, your typical Texas steakhouse type place. Uh, What type of cut of meat do you normally get when you go? I like the T-bone sirloin. I love me a good steak. So definitely got to visit there. Now you lived in Dallas for, you know, like you said, around 50 years. What's one of your most memorable stories of living there? New Year's Day, 1978. I got a phone call from a very good friend about nine o'clock in the morning nine o'clock on new year's day and i was just barely awake i said why are you calling me at nine o'clock on new year's morning and ted says i'm sorry to bother you he said but today i've got uh, two tickets to the cowboys game and it was the nfc championship game against minnesota 
He said, you know, I thought you might want to go with me, but I'm sure I'll have no problem giving this extra ticket away to somebody else if you want to go back to bed. So, of course, you know, I went to that and you don't get to see that too much very often when you go to see a big sporting event like that. There was that in 78. I was 19 years old. And then in 2011, I got to go to a World Series game at Arlington, and I never thought I would see the Texas Rangers in a World Series. Uh, they didn't win, but just the mere fact that I was there, you know, as a longtime baseball fan, and seeing something like that was a real treat. I mean, it's one of those things where you can go to a game anytime, but when you're there for those special games, the big fan within you just really comes out. Yep. So speaking of happy times and everything, where's the happiest happy hour in Dallas? You know, there's a lot of places that we've talked about. Three Forks in far north Dallas has a reputation of having a, a very good wine list, very extensive wine list. Uh, you know, if you're looking for something like that, that would probably be a really good place to go. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'd love me some good wine, it's like a Cab or, or a Merlot or something like that. One of the things I always do whenever I travel is, is check out the local pizza. What's the best place for pepperoni pizza in Dallas? Best place for any kind of pizzas is E Fratelli's. Now it's I, it looks like I Fratelli's, but the I is actually pronounced E. It's locally owned and there's six or seven restaurants now around town and they've got square pizzas. It says never trust a round pizza. And they've got great delivery, they've got tremendous service. And when we go get pizza, that's just about the only place we go anymore. And we've been to a lot of places, but when I started going there, I was like, holy cow, this stuff's really good. Nice. Yeah, I love me some good pizza. It's one of those things that's funny about pizza. It's served in a square box, but it's a round pizza, and they cut it into, they cut it into triangles. You know, so <laughs> it's a mathematician's dream, I guess. I know you've written a book about Dallas, and so I know you have a lot of different great tips. What's your best travel tip? Best travel tip, and this is pretty much universal. When you travel, just recognize and realize that you are going to be hassled. You're going to be uncomfortable. You're going to be dealing with stupid people. <laughs> and it's gonna be tremendously inconvenienced and expensive. And the more you just give in to all of those conditions and just realize that's the way it's going to be, then it's gonna make travel a lot easier for you. Yeah, no, I mean, it's one of those things that, it's like Murphy's Law always steps in and whatever can go wrong, will go wrong, right? Yeah, and, and you always figure, I always figure the plane's gonna be late. For example, I was going to San Francisco about five or six years ago and they were loading the plane. All of our luggage was on, they were loading the plane and somebody tried to put their bag in an overhead compartment and they broke the exit sign. Oh. <laughs> so they came up and it was half loaded. So they came over and said, oh, it's gonna be about 20 or 30 minutes. I turned to this guy next to me, this is not gonna be 20 or 30 minutes. They had to have that exit sign on and just because that broken exit sign, we had to switch planes. So we were there, you know, we were like two, two and a half hours late, but I'm always ready for that. I'm always prepared to be two or three hours late. And the whole day I figure I'm going to be traveling. And if it works out that way, I expected it. Then there was one time I came back from Brooklyn and the only time in my life this has ever happened or probably will ever happen. We arrived an hour early. Wow. An hour. Right, yep. We arrived an hour early and my wife, who's really good about this sort of thing. I thought, well, she's going to be. No, I got there and there she was, man. She was at the airport because she checks on those things. So Nice. She sounds like a keeper. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, Harry, I really appreciate you coming on to the show and, and sharing so many awesome tips for Dallas. Can you tell the audience a little bit about who you are, what you do, and then I want to hear a little bit about your book. Yeah, well, I'm a speaker and I'm an author. I taught public speaking for a long time and now I go out and I talk about books. I help people improve their public speaking skills. I wrote one book on overcoming the fear of public speaking. It's titled Help Everyone is Staring at Me. 
because really that's what people are uncomfortable with. They're not uncomfortable with talking. They're uncomfortable with everyone staring at them while they're talking. Uh, my latest book is called This Used to Be Dallas. It's about 90 structures in Dallas, what they were, what they are, and why they matter. And we cover all areas of Dallas, cover all generations, that, like I was talking about the first building, and then some of them that have just gone through renovations, some of them that have been taken down, and then other things put back up. And it's a pretty interesting cross-section of the city. Yeah, that's fantastic. It's amazing. We talk about with like helping people with uh, the public speaking. You'll get a kick out of the story. The first time I did a big presentation in front of, I, I think it was about 300 people at the bank I used to work for, I was so nervous. You know, but I, I stood up there you know, behind the lectern. Everything was good. But I was so nervous. I had so much nervous energy. Literally, my right cheek was just shaking because that's where <laughs> all, that, all the nervous energy went down to that body part. But the rest of it, I was like keeping calm. Everything, you know, everything was good. I did the presentation. Everything was great. But just something in my body, focus all the nervous energy there so that way I can knock the presentation out of the park. <laughs> and it's about focus. It's about practice because people go up in front of groups to make talks and no one's really taught them how to do this. And it's a shame because you get used to it and just learn a few tips. It makes a big difference. I agree. Yeah. And so we're going to link to your, we're going to link to both of your books and your site in the show notes. And uh, you know, thanks again for coming on the show. And we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Very good. Looking forward to it. Thank you very much, Lee. What a fun conversation with Harry. You can find all the links we talked about today at wetravelthere.com forward slash Dallas. We want to say thank you to Award Wallet for being today's affiliate partner. It's my favorite way to track airline miles, hotel points, and other loyalty programs. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash Award Wallet to start your free account today. Join us next time as we visit Rome, Italy to speak with my new friend Erica Firpo of ericafirpo.com. In this episode, Erica and I talk about touring the Colosseum, exploring the catacombs, and eating gelato. We hope you join us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with your friends and tell them what you like most. Make sure you subscribe, that way you don't miss any of our upcoming destinations. <music>